Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Bengalis in New York show. My name is Arik and uh, we were repping it for, you know, the Bronx, Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, Staten Island, and all over the world. So welcome and enjoy. Bishop, so what oh, makes Cam the greatest and what makes him so awesome? Be specific. Listen, how are you going to start off a podcast with questions about you, all right? Be <laughs> humble, Cam. Humble? I'm the humblest guy I know. That, that you are, actually. No, no, I, got, I got to say, you don't show off. That, like actually, other that actually makes me not humble saying that. But uh, anyway, uh, no, but you're the first friend I've had on the podcast as a guest. I feel honored. Are you running out of class? Wow. <laughs> yeah so you know it's interesting because we've talked about this is that some people hear about the famous bishop and they they talked about you like 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 uh i mean you i guess you are a celebrity but to me it's always interesting because it's like what the hell like this is a dude that like does all this stupid shit and he's like a celebrity like, i find That's it really beautiful. interesting a lot of people don't know that side of me, and, and, and that's for a reason. I would probably mess up a perception of how I am or whatever the case is. Yeah, so interesting. So you've had a lot of lives. Uh, you did music, and then you moved on to the dancing. corporate world. Oh, you did dancing, too. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, you were one of the founders of Wantarashiks, right? Yeah, man. Wow. It was, it was fun times. And then you moved on to corporate, and, and then now you're also doing photography. So out of all those things, so what's been, what's been like a common skill that's helped you be successful in all of them? I think passion. I really got to go with passion on that. If you're emotionally invested in something, make sure you have passion for it. Make sure that you have a continuous drive to keep going. As long as that passion remains in whatever form you're uh, taking upon you and the effort is there behind it i think you'll be successful and effort i'm, I'm not talking about like doing something for one day i have the passion I, i'm putting in eight hours in one day out of a week no just continue continuously strive and make yourself better at the end of the day why are you doing this and that's a, another question you have to start asking yourself yeah i did photography music dancing this and that but Ask yourself as an as a creative, why are you doing this? Are you doing are you doing music? Let's say to pick up chicks. Are you doing music to get rich and famous? Are you doing it for fame strictly? Like, I think a lot of soul searching has to start when you go into a specific field like that. But yeah, a lot of people do it for chicks. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. So about passion, there's two schools of thought about passion. Some people feel that if you make your passion into a career, then you lose interest and you don't enjoy it as much. And some people think, like Steve Jobs uh, will say, if you make your passion into your career, it'll never feel like you're working. So I've heard, I've heard both sides. I, um, I disagree with both on that. So let's take music, for example, right? Music was my passion. Like I was like 13, 12 years old, just starting to rap at that time. I went to high school. The way I asked this one girl out, I performed in front of the whole entire school as soon as everyone got out. So you had like a hundred people behind me and I'm rapping. And then I would take that and then bring in a boom box, let's say into my English classes or my social studies class. And then instead of doing a boring presentation, I would rap the entire pre presentation. And then that's how the words start to spread. So like 
the passion started at an early age. By the time I got done with high school, people already knew that I was in that scene. You know, you'd show up to a few battle rap events, this and that. And not only that, like I had a rap journal growing up that I kept all throughout high school. I wish I still had it because that would have been really embarrassing to reread at this stage in life. Um, but yeah. by the time I got into the studio, I was already like mentally prepped on how to count bars on on the formats of songs. So it made, that made it a lot easier because the effort was there. The effort was there for like over five years. So I follow Battle Rap a lot now. I know it's very different from when you were in it. Um, did you ever run across, did you ever like come across any of the famous battle rappers in the like 90s and 2000s? Did you come across like Jen or any of those guys? Not like that. I, I don't, I don't want to say like that, but it was also the scene that I was in. Let's say I ran into a few in Saya. You remember Saya? Yeah. You know, people used to go down there and just kick a few bars. Oh, really? Wow. Uh, back then, it was all just freestyle from the top of your head. Now you have something written, and then that you can present as a freestyle in a battle yeah. rap format. So yeah. you know, I'm not knocking either. Both yeah, and it's becoming it's become mainstream too. Now they they these rap leagues have major TV deals and streaming deals, so it's becoming a lot more corporate. Where before, I feel like the these a lot of these artists used to start in battle rap in hopes to get into mainstream. Um, record labels, but now they're making enough money in battle rap that they'll they'll, they'll stay, which is great. Yeah, it's great. It's great for the culture. Look, um, the music has come to even go from like this underground scene to go mainstream within um, I want to say a decade or so. The uh, so then um, you moved into corporate, and so you're a compliance officer now. But was there a specific thing that happened that caused you to? leave music and you know focus on your corporate career mm, i had you know music is great like i've met wonderful friends i've had amazing experiences like, i've met some interesting characters while on stage or I got to meet let's say john starks right like he was in the vip section when i was performing i was like oh, wow. wow my like childhood Idol in Mass. Where was this? Where was this? I was just in the city at one of these clubs I was uh performing. Oh wow. So that that was great. Like however, um there's always positives and negatives in all areas and all aspects, right? Music left a bad taste in my mouth for various reasons. Some are personal, some are more political, I, I wanna say. But I still enjoy it. I still, you know, you're once a creative, I don't think that creative side ever leaves you. You know, I may just do it now. I may just write a few bars in my head, put it in my put it in my phone, and leave it at that until I'm ready to actually go back onto the mic again. But at this time, it, I don't feel like there's a need for that. So mm-hmm. I mean, there's some things that left a bad taste. Um, you know, and it didn't, and some things didn't just align with my internal moral compass. I guess you want to say. Um, I mean, there's a lot of drugs in this field. There's a lot of women in this field. There is a lot of bad influences or bad to me maybe not to somebody else maybe somebody else enjoys that by all means do you it's just not for me yeah. and then you, so you had a daughter fairly young too uh, yeah. was did that have a uh, have an impact in terms of music yeah because then you go back and listen to my stuff like if i have her here what i what i made back then you become very conscious like my dad mm. really talking about <laughs> this and that i don't want to say what i'm talking about but yeah you really yeah do. yeah so you became cognizant when I became cognizant of what I was writing when she was maybe two. 
Did you see what Cardi B said about her music? She was saying that she wouldn't let her. Somebody asked her, like, would you have her hear uh, the WAP uh, music, the song? And she was like, she was like, no way. Really? So I make, that's it. So that's yeah. interesting. There's definitely a few tracks that I'll never let her discover. Mm. Uh, she finds that out on her own, then more power to her. But I'm not volunteering these tracks to her. She'll, she'll listen to, I've let her listen to a few of my songs that I made before. So what did she say? Did she th- what did she say? I mean, just like you, Kev, like no one understands. I gotta say, like, my family doesn't understand. Like, the family back home, when they're like, oh my God, this and that, or when you run across people like, that's Bishop, you, my family, some of my other friends, they just don't put the artist and me as a friend yeah. in the same uh, tier. And but also, yeah. well, I don't allow it either. Yeah, and it's good. And also, like I said, I think you're, you're, people know you here, but in Bangladesh, they really know Stoic Bliss. Like, yeah. Bangladesh, like the teenagers and like even the kids in the 20s, they love Stoic Bliss. It's really fascinating. I don't think I didn't even know that. I only found out about the the craze recently because you guys were one of the were really were one of the the first Bengali rap groups. For sure. I mean, and the songs you were in Madhuks. So now you're you're in corporate. So you're uh, you're in, you're a compliance officer, but you still picked up photography on the side. So how did that come about? And and I'm mad because like I remember I got a camera way before you. Like I, my wife bought me an SLR like way before you, and then like you bought one and then you just started started to take off. Like so, how did that come about? And did you always have an interest in photography? I've had an interest in composing pictures, I guess you want to say, right? And and that may stem from the music or the dance aspect of my life, where I'm a visual person. Dancing is visual. Performing on stage is visual. Although, like, you know, it's music. You're still performing something. You're still, you still have an audience to visualize what you're doing. So instead of being in front, I wanted to be behind and capture what I thought was just fly moments in life. So, I mean, my wife saw it. I was shooting with, like, an HTC camera phone, and I would put that into manual mode, just start away, clicking away. And, you know, the compositions and... The pictures were nice. So she actually surprised me with a camera one day for my birthday. So What, what camera did, was it? It was the Canon 6D. So, I mean, I, I, I love that camera. I actually sold it to one of my, uh, one of my mutual friends, uh, Bobby. But I mm. uh, hope he has as much luck uh, with it as I did. But I took that camera everywhere. And, and I'm talking about, like, I would put my kid to... Uh, some classes that happen at six o'clock in the morning by Flushing Meadow, I would be there five o'clock in the morning just shooting, trying to understand how shooting manual works. Because the reason I'm also in compliance is because my mind is very analytical. So you give me a gadget and I want to try to figure out how that gadget works. So it's four or five, no, it's like five, five thirty. It's sunrise in, I want to say December, January, whatever the case is. It's freezing. I'm out there just taking shots away, just trying to understand um, how a camera works. I would take it everywhere, start posting a little bit of my pictures online. Um, and what some people say that your net work is your net worth mm-hmm. kind of applies, Cam. I got hit up by uh, one of our friends, Archana. She goes, can you do my baby shower? I'm like, Shh, I'll be honest. I'll be transparent. I've never done that. But yes, why not? 
So I, I did it. Um, by that time, I had the camera for maybe four months, and I was taking this camera everywhere, just shooting around, just shooting, 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 so I can understand, let's say, shutter speed and aperture and all these uh, fancy photography terms. Yeah, um, honestly, I'll yeah. be honest. I don't understand all any of it. Uh, I do understand some of it, but I'm not, I don't. I still don't feel comfortable in manual mode. Just haven't gotten there. But how? But let me ask you. You have the. That's a camera. I think that's a fairly advanced camera. But do you think what's a good starter? SLR, and also, does is an SLR necessary for somebody that wants to get into photography? That's a good entry level. I think it's priced currently at a decent price point. I think you can just pick up the body, maybe around six hundred. Okay. Around okay. or B and H, um, you can just pick up a fifty dollar fifty millimeter lens, attach it, and just go around shooting with that. Uh, but back to what I was saying with Archana, once I shot the baby shower, and she paid me for it. Somebody's paying me for my passion. Somebody paid me for these four hours. And it wasn't a bad rate either. It was like, then it really clicked. Like, maybe I can take this and become a business and do weddings and do events and do parties. And, and I did. Um, and I, funny enough, Cam, I don't really advertise. You don't really see advertisements. It's mainly word of mouth at the, um, and it's I've been successful that way so far. Knock on wood. Did did any part of you feel weird and guilty about that? Like, did you anybody? What's that? What's that term that you don't? You feel like you're a fake when you're like, for example, that first job that you had. Did you feel like you were not really qualified to do that? Did any, any part of you feel guilty for taking money? I was offered, so I didn't take. Um, oh, that's okay. The, yeah, mm. I was offered for the time that I was shooting there. It just happens that the pictures came out very decent. Okay. That's when I realized, okay, someone's willing to pay me for doing this. Once that clicks, I, I think sky's the limit. Then you realize, wow, I make this per hour at my regular job. And this allowed for an extra income. Mm. I think they would. Do you find that Bengali people are willing to pay artists for their time yeah uh yeah I mean, there's a lot of negotiation <laughs> <laughs> they but, start really they start like uh you know 150 percent less than you offer and then you just it, it, in the middle. i mean it, it's unfortunately it's sad but you just have to know your own worth and then you have mm. to know to say no mm. if you feel like they're lowballing you by all means. You can find somebody else, and I want you to find somebody else. What are, What are some mistakes that you see when people just taking pictures, like just on Instagram and, and Facebook and stuff? I, I appreciate mistakes. And I appreciate failures because that's how you learn, right? How else will you know um, you need to improve on something? No one's telling you. Um, my friends, who I teach some things to. Uh, I let them know like, hey, you're not doing this properly. You're not doing this properly. This could be better. This could be better. And I give it to them because it takes a lot of um, humbleness to even receive critique, right? A lot of people can't receive critique well. Uh, and, I, and I get critiqued all the time too. Uh, but some of, back to your question, some of the mistakes when it comes to shooting manual, I would say the shutter speed. So a low shutter speed, uh, let's say 1 over 80, it doesn't allow for a crisp image if the subject is moving. You see how my hand is um, lagging a bit? That's how the image will turn out. 
Yeah, so if somebody some people want that in a picture, right? Like sometimes you you oh, want yeah. that in a picture, right? Some, some people want that. That then that's absolutely fine, uh, and that's great. But you have to actually communicate with your client. You have to build a rapport, and you have to build an understanding of what your client wants. Like, how do you want your images? What colors? What settings? How do you want me to shoot that? Give me some um, inspiration that you find forwarded to me, and we can work based on that. What's aperture? Explain aperture. Aperture? Yeah. Uh, it's how much light? Uh, I want to say how much light uh, the camera takes in. So let's say a low aperture takes in a lot of light. So when you're shooting at 1.4, it brings in a lot of light. Um, as when you start increasing the aperture, less light comes in. However, in the layman's term, I want to say lower aperture creates more bokeh, that uh, blurred. Um, blurred uh, effect okay. behind you. So if yeah. you hold, let's say, a glass here and everything else will be blurred behind your glass. Okay. Not gotcha. an aperture. But do you ever find yourself uh, look, seeing, uh, watch, looking at a, seeing a picture and you're thinking, wow, what camera did they use? And you find out it's like an iPhone? No. Uh, you can tell. so much of a camera. I would uh, look at a picture and see, figure out what, what they're using besides a camera. Let's say off-camera light. Uh, let's say... Oh what kind of color gel they use to blow up the background being blue or red. Okay. What uh, intensity was a flash at mm. to separate you from the background? I feel like now there's so much software where you can do a lot of this stuff post, no? Like You can. You can, but my uh, school of thought out has always been get it right in camera so you have to work less post. Mm, yeah, that makes so sense. Create that, where, um, create that visual where like one side is like lit up and one side is a bit darker. Absolutely, you can do that in post, but it may take you thirty minutes to an hour in post to do that. When mm. as long as you have your settings right, you take a picture and you're done in thirty seconds. What tools do you use for post production? Uh, right now, I'm working with Lightroom and okay. Photoshop. Yeah. Okay. And they changed their model too, right? Now, and I have a subscription base, so you can't just go and yeah. go out and buy. Yeah. And you know, as Bengalis, we be sharing the password, so you can. I'm sure you're doing that, right? Or you don't have to say that on camera. I have a partner, bro. We split the cost like that. <laughs> yeah. How are you managing? Uh, so you still work full time. So what's some tips that you have for managing, uh, like a full time job? And now that you have more and more demand for your photography services, how are you managing both? So you have your nine to five and then you have your six to two, right? You have to be very honest with whoever you're speaking to. Your six client. to two AM? What do you think weddings start? What do you think wedding weddings start? So wait, let me do the math. It's like six hours of sleep? Five hours of sleep? Some days. Uh, yeah. Wow. I mean, it's a it's a delicate balance, right? So in the beginning I, I would I would take on these gigs, uh, just not realizing how strenuous it would be. Unless of my mental well-being, my health, uh, my physical well-being, and all that, but then you come to a understanding like maybe I shouldn't be taking on this many gigs. I have a full-time job. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, there was a wedding I had to shoot on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, I got out of work at four thirty, drove all the way to Jersey. Jersey, with you know how it is, afternoon traffic going from the city. That was insane. It was like two hours. By the time I got to the venue, it might have been 6.30 or 7. So, you know, you're working, taking a two-hour drive, starting to shoot, let's say 6.30, 7, whatever the case is. And then you wrap up around 2, 
and sometimes, and I'm in out in Jersey. Sometimes it's just best to get a hotel room so you can mm-hmm. sleep. Um, yeah, because you're exhausted because you going to work at let's say eight, and you finish this other job at two in the morning. That takes some toll. So yeah. your health is important. Um, if it costs you 150 for that one night to sleep, pay yeah. it. It's better than you being drowsy, driving back home to Queens. God yeah. knows if you get into an accident, it's just not worth it. That's your biggest uh, asset. I just I just reading about how much LeBron spends on his body. It's insane. Yeah, man. He like the amount of money he spends, but you know, it's a return. He gets obviously a, a nice return on his. Uh, uh, on his investment. He spent millions of dollars on his body. It's ridiculous. I mean, it took me a while to kind of understand that. If it wasn't for a dialysis cam, I, I wouldn't understand the concept of time and health and how they are so equally linked. Going back to photography, some, are most of your clients Desi? Yeah. Uh, most of them are Desi. They're, and then when I do events, they're everything else. How would you compare the uh, a Desi client to a non-Desi client? It's, uh, like I said, uh, less negotiations. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was thinking I, one of the other skills I would think that you need to have as a photographer is crowd control. Yeah. Now, okay, so you were talking earlier. My first question to you was skills that translate. I would imagine as a performer, crowd control is important. And now as a photographer, that c- crowd control is equally important. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, whether you're dancing in front of a lot of people or uh, make music or rapping in front of other people, you have to have that presence. So it backfires. It's, it's a positive and a negative. It's, it's a pro and a con, I want to say, because sometimes I'll walk into a room and my presence can overwhelm people. Uh, I don't know what I do. Um, that just makes people pause. But as a photographer, you just need to be a ninja for the most part. You don't want to be seen. You, you want to blend in. In one aspect, that's great. That I can control a crowd like, hey, everyone get together. I want to do this shot. Everyone pose this way. And I can be vocal and express that. But at the same time, I really want to be a ninja. <laughs> I don't want to be noticed um, within, uh, with, within a wedding, let's say. I'm sure you've wanted to strangle some busy aunties once in a while, though, right? You just have to be honest. You just have to be firm and honest and express to them what's happening. Like, auntie, I understand. Uncle, I understand that you want to get these pictures. By all means, go ahead. But understand that this client is paying me to take their wedding, paying me to take these wedding pictures. Plus, I also have that in my contract. <laughs> no, um, uh, no, like uh, family paparazzi. I will. But the, oh my god! The yeah. the uh, forget aunties, the uncles with the iPads. <laughs> bro it's like this big like <laughs> they think that the bigger the screen the better uh the, 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 the quality come out. Yeah. right yeah, you just have to be very cordial diplomatic because you don't know who that uncle is that uncle could have could be that yeah. daughter's father's brother right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah I, but ipods need to ipad ipads need to be banned from wedding and then I'm very firm. So I know what spots I want. I'll stick to my spot. I'm sorry. You get in my spot. I do what I do in the seven train. I'll raise my elbows up and start shooting like this. <laughs> this is my personal space. Don't come in it. So what have, what have been um, your parents' response to some of your uh, career choices and also just like, you know, the numerous things that you've done over the years? Yeah, but I, they never understand until someone else tells them that is cool. 
That's so interesting. That's how Bengali parents are. Like, like yeah. the music thing. I'm like, you know, kind of a big deal, right? Like, you know, I've kind of sold a few records here and there, right? And this is back then during the hype. They're like, yeah, did you get your bachelor's degree? I'm like, yo, are you going to throw it in my face? <laughs> so so I'm like, sure for Bangladesh too, people in Bangladesh tell them. Yeah, yeah. They're like, you know, at that, you know, I just got married at that time. And then my uh, mom's sister was like, listen, I got uh, all wedding offers for you coming up. And, you know, she's messing with my mom. Like, you don't understand your son. Like, he's kind of a big deal here. And my mom's like, yeah, he didn't finish school. That's a big deal to me. It's really interesting. So that's a, that's a, actually a good topic to segue to because, so listen, I, yeah, go ahead. Uh, one more example would be with the dancing, right? So, you know, you know, one of the fun stuff I did was being a backup dancer to some of these Indian artists that would come, right? Mm. So they're here where they're backup dancers. And then let's say one of my families would go to that event. They're like, that's my nephew backup dancing for such and such, right? Mm. Uh, I'm just a kid. I'm just having fun. And they tell, mm. they'll take it back. Like, you know, your son actually dances professionally, right? They're like, yeah, still didn't get your bachelor's degree, though. <laughs> like, and, and the group you founded was on what? So You Can Dance, right? Or no, so you can dance. We had, back then we had, um, we were doing rehearsals for our Bollywood Hollywood play. If you remember that on Broadway. Wow. That's fun times. Wow. So, yeah. So your parents about the college thing. So we've had a lot of people on, on recently. I've had some entrepreneurs on that, uh, that didn't finish college. And this obviously question I ask is like, you know, what your parents reactions. So, I mean, I feel like, especially now, there's so many professions where, um, you know, especially with this like coding boot camps or there's these courses that you can do that are so focused that, you know, college isn't necessarily required. But you were, this is, you know, you're, this, you, you left school a while ago. So um, what are your thoughts on whether, you know, college is necessary or not? I'm all for college. Uh, I think college will, higher education will get you past a certain uh, ceiling. And, and that's just undeniably the truth in the corporate world, I want to say, right? Uh, to become a first vice president, there's so many candidates that have their JDs that uh, that have MBAs on top of MBAs, right? They're very qualified. You yourself, you know, you're a prime example of somebody who's at that level. When you see a resume with high school graduate or MBA, you won't be able to get past a specific ceiling. I want to say uh, that part is quite important. Unless you have the experience, right? I mean, if you have like. I had the experience. Um, I, I, alhamdulillah, like I'm, my work ethic is what, is what separates me. Uh, I yeah. want to say like a lot of people in my department have masters. Mm. Uh, however, I, I beat out candidates with masters and they were pissed because they yeah. just got their masters. And uh, this individual and I, we both applied for this uh, current uh, compliance position that I'm in. And they just couldn't fathom the idea that someone with a high school degree could hold this position. Yeah. But can we understand that in when, we, when we were in college, I wasn't a dumb kid. Like, I, like I was quite intelligent in that. Yeah. Sense. I just took that. I, I was just lazy to finish uh, in all that, in all honesty, because from college I went into music and then I went to dance and then I did everything else. And then I, you know, I had my kid. So a lot was happening at that time. Right. Yeah, but um, also I think I think that like companies like Google and Ernst and Young and a lot of these big firms are recognizing that now, 
Um, Your ethic holds a lot of weight, I want to say. Your reputation as an employee who knows what he or she is talking about, knows subject matter, I think that holds weight. Yeah. Yeah. I think my feeling is that there's certain fields where it's necessary because, like, for example, an accountant, I mean, you need my, I want my accountant to have a certain amount of college education so that he can get a CPA and do well. Like, I want my doctor to have, uh, I don't want my doctor not to have a medical degree. I want my CPA. But I feel like, honestly, most of the majors, like even finance, um, if you, if, if, like even finance or economics, which I, which is what I did, um, there's so many other certifications that you can get that the learning, the, the studying for those certifications, like the CFA, um, and, uh, and like some of these compliance certifications, I mean, come on, like in compliance, if you, somebody has an ACAMS, CFE, and, uh, you know, some of these these risk certifications, some of these C certifications, you're going to tell me that person's less qualified than somebody that has a degree from a four-year-old school? Like, no, I think that's crazy. I think that's absolutely ridiculous. So I actually find, sometimes I feel like, you know, if somebody tells me what they want to do, and instead of spending four years and... I mean, seriously, some some of these figures, like astronomical figures, to go to these universities, somebody spends a hundred thousand dollars to go to a four-year degree versus maybe like ten thousand dollars to get these degrees. Like to me, it's like not even close. Yeah, I want to add on to your point. That that's well and dandy, and more power to the people that get those four-year degrees and go through their graduate schools and go through their MBAs. Uh, more power to you. But one thing, when you do go through them, don't don't come out of them being a robot. Be able to critically think. And I think that's what separates a lot of individuals. I have, you know, I have quite a few colleagues that are just plain robots and they they have higher education, which is great. But you present them with the slightest hurdle. It's fried. Their brains are fried. They're not Mm -hmm. able to think outside the box. All they see is black and white when you're dealing in a gray area. Mm, That's very, yeah, that's, that's very true. I just think, you know, you have to look at your, your wasted time, especially when I hear about people having $100,000 in loans and they were like a sociology major. Like, you know, I, I just don't see the point of that. I just don't see the point of spending that kind of money and ma- majoring in something. If, if you want to do social work, I think that's great. But there's no reason to go to a university where, where you're paying $100,000. To me, there's, that makes no there's sense. There's some other things that come along with the $100,000. It's also that prestige, right? Um, when you apply for certain jobs, you're telling me some of those uh, hiring managers didn't go to that school or aren't aware of that school. That might get that might be an entry point for someone who went to a four-year college, right? Like, oh, you went to Bing? I went to Bing too. That happens a lot. I think there's certain schools that have that the cachet. Um, you know, like obviously Ivy Leagues, and I know people that literally like they have that Ivy League email address even, and they get so many things done for them for free. Like it, it happens. I think there's certain schools, but like, I'm not going to call out specific schools. I think but there's other schools. And, I, and I'll be honest with you, the school that I went to for grad school, I got lucky that my company paid for it, right. but there's like no way in hell it's worth the money that they paid. Like yeah. none at all. And I paid, they paid close to $60,000, $70,000 for my grad school. No way that education was $60,000, $70,000. Like I would not in a million years, I'm glad I didn't pay for that. So, but there's people that paid and right. I just don't feel like, I just don't feel like it was. It would be. It would be worth it. Like again, sixty, seventy thousand dollars, a hundred thousand, one hundred fifty thousand dollars for like an Ivy League school, and or even NYU, like the top, you know, top twenty schools. Absolutely, I get that. So, um, Ken, to add on to that, I want to say, 
the business models now in 2020, the marketing models now in 2020 are completely different than the textbooks that were written 20 years ago. Yeah. And we're still following, yeah. right? Yeah. There's no textbook. Well, I can't um, say much more because I'm not sure, aware of the textbooks that are out there, but I'm based on what I'm assuming, I don't see someone, a textbook containing how to market yourself via social media. Yeah. You have to do it. You have to just learn and do it. Yeah. So yeah, sometimes it's better to get your wet uh, feet wet by yourself yeah. than maybe going to school and yeah. learning that way. Uh, even, even in digital marketing, marketing I, I have friends that are the same that don't have that college degree. However, they're working in the marketing department of, let's say, a $6 billion company hmm. because the world has changed. And yeah. he or she is helping them digitally market their company on social media, on um, advertisements, and understanding the current culture that's happening. Yeah. And you remember, at the top, you have a specific group of people of a certain age, I want to say. You have to deprogram them to understand what's happening on the grass on the grassroots side yeah absolutely I, I um i think though one thing and I'll, I'm, I'm like i'm shitting on college but one thing i'll say though for someone that is not sure what they want to do i think it's a good place to go to to figure yourself out and also obviously meet people like it's a great place to meet people and you do, man. it's your network yeah and yeah exactly i mean most of the people i know now are from undergrad and um i think yeah for that it's great and I think also for, you know, for people to learn how to work in teams um, and that kind of stuff is all important. So yeah, there's definitely some advantage. I just don't, I'm glad that companies are recognizing that it's not a, it shouldn't be a requirement. Uh, like it shouldn't be a requirement for, for a lot of jobs. I think there's, like I said, certain jobs, yes, absolutely you want that. But I think for a lot of jobs, I just don't, I'd rather take somebody with experience. All right, you don't want your doctor to be a rapper. Yeah, ex- exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Like there's there's certain things. Um, what's next for you? That's a good question. Uh, you know, I've I've always had a passion for all the arts, right? So music, uh, dance, photography. You know, I used to, I used to sketch back in the day. Um, you know, and I love the culinary arts as well. So maybe stay find another niche within uh, the arts mm. that I want to explore. I think that just keeps me sane. It keeps me very balanced. Because, yeah, there's a corporate job that I have that's your nine to five. And I refuse to be a damn robot cam. <laughs> like, I don't want yeah. that to suck my soul. But listen, you know what? Like, I think uh, I'm realizing that, too, because my whole thing was this year was to go and follow my passion and do something. But you know what? You just have to, sometimes you have to pay the bills. And, like, I think that, like, the corporate job that I had for a long time allowed me to start things like Boney and fund it, you know, without having to worry about... Um, you know, paying for things. I was able to do a lot of things that I would, uh, uh, because of my job, like it helped me pay for it. Like, so right. uh, definitely um, having the job benefited me, even the stuff that I'm doing now. I mean, if I didn't have that corporate job. I wouldn't have been able to afford some of this stuff. Um, but yeah, I think, um, yeah, it's, I think it's, it's yeah, I'm, I'm with that school where like sometimes I think if you can have something, unless you're a rich kid, I mean, if you're a rich kid, like, you know, Mark Zuckerberg dropped out and did whatever he wanted because he had something, to, a cushion to fall back on. Not all of us have cushions. A lot of, them come, a lot of people in that sphere come from that background. Yeah, Bill yeah Gates exactly. Got that, uh, 
you know, college, but do you know yeah. his background? Why he had a he do that? Right. Yeah, he had a cushion. I think that's that's the thing. And I wonder how our like the next generation of Bengalis will do because they'll have that cushion. Like, I mean, my my nephews, my kids, they're gonna have that cushion where they're not gonna have to worry about taking care of me. Like we had that, right? Um, they're not gonna have to worry about taking care of me. Um, you know, so they can kind of take risks that I didn't, you know, I couldn't take. You also have to have drive, right? You also that's what I'm worried about. And drive, is that something you worry about with your daughter? Absolutely, because you know I've given her this cushion, right? I don't see the same hustle that I had. Wait, what did she just got into Brooklyn Tech? She must have had hustle. That's not for my hustle, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you know how many teachers out there talk to? No, I'm just kidding. No, like you she did good on that. Like uh, she did great with that part. She got into Brooklyn Tech. That's you know I'm gonna be a daisy parent and be like, yo, but you ain't getting to sty though. <laughs> did you say that to her? I said that. <laughs> oh my god, you must have been joking. I was joking, but I really oh wasn't. God. Yeah, I really was, but you, know. <laughs> you should be happy because Stuyvesant is honest, honestly like I'm not not to put anything out there, but Stuyvesant has really high suicide rates. It does. It it's does. Crazy. Yeah. It does. So you know, whatever happens, happens for the best, and you just go with the flow. And let's see where this. Yeah. Takes. If she's happy here, she's happy here. If she's not, you know, that, you know that's worth more. I'm sure she'll find drive. I'm sure she'll find drive, but just from a different from a different place fine drive me holding something behind her back let go <laughs> <laughs> we're not promoting violence here I'm just kidding how is cam the greatest and what makes him so awesome be specific oh cam i gotta give it to this character cam i don't know who that is but you know he's kind of a legend he's been ahead of his time ever since college i Cam used to wear those Louis Vuitton patches on NBA jerseys with the Jordans on, man. Nobody would believe you. <laughs> Cam was so, a uh, do that. <laughs> so, uh, if anyone's wondering, I, I gave uh, Bappy a bunch of questions, and that was the that was the last question, which is the most important. Obviously, he didn't prepare well enough. I didn't prepare. We've had a great dialogue. We've had great discourse. No, for that question, I meant. <laughs> But uh, good, it was, it was great talking to you. Um, listen, uh, obviously, let us know what else is going on. And um, yeah, excited to talk to you. And I'm um, glad I have one celebrity friend. I'm not a celebrity, bro. I don't know what you're talking about. Never acted that way next to you, right? <laughs> no, no, you haven't. Cool. It was a great combo, man. Come back whenever you have other, other stuff going on. Definitely. Appreciate it. All right, Cam. Gotta be honest with diamonds and pearls, yeah, yeah. Bengal is a New York, all over the world. Uh, it's the bony show. Hey, uh, can you handle this? Representing the boroughs where the bangles live. From the slang we spit to the gangs we with, it doesn't matter. We the essence of the Bangladesh. I say, hey, come on, can you handle this? Representing the boroughs where the bangles live.